0: Good morning everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today, whether you're in person or online, across the country, wherever you are, we are so glad that you're here to worship the Lord with us today. So wherever you are, please stand with us as we praise the Lord.
1: Yeah. All right, please be seated. Well, welcome everybody. First Baptist Church Coronado and welcome everybody online. And we're streaming on Facebook and YouTube now, so we're we're all high-tech redneck here now, so it's good. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I'm from a little cow town, so um, so that's awesome. We got a couple cameras and just a cool way that we can connect uh, through this um, Uh, Interesting, difficult season, but also we can reach probably more people because um, the internet is a gigantic place where a lot of people are hanging out and having conversations. So, praise God for uh, technology. Um, So, we have some announcements here. Um, Thursday nights is Financial Peace University. That's at 7 p.m. here in the church. If you need more information, um, check with, uh, I think, John maybe. John, are you here? I saw you earlier where is John? In the back. John's back there. Yeah. So check with them if you want to um, interested in getting involved or maybe catching the next financial peace seminar. Um, tithes and offerings. If you're new here or you're unfamiliar, um, if you have uh, tithes for the church or offerings for different missionaries you support uh, through the church, there's a box in the back right, uh, right underneath the light switch. So it's pretty simple. You can Um, drop stuff in there. You can do it online. I just do it online and have it a reoccurring automatic thing so that that helps me stay consistent. So whatever is your preference. You can also send it uh, in the mail or if you're just dropping by you're not coming in person yet because you can't. Um, The doors may be locked during some times of the day but there's a mailbox just outside the door. You can drop things in as well. Um, And let's see here. What else? Okay. There's a blood drive. And David, I have a bunch of the information here. Do you want me to share um, all this, or would you like to share? You want me to? Okay. All right. So um, David is hosting a blood drive, and it's sponsored by First Baptist Church here, and it's going to be uh, this Wednesday, the 24th, from 1230 in the afternoon to 6 p.m. Um, It's going to be in Imperial Beach, and I believe there's flyers, correct, David? Okay, so if you want, you're not going to be able to remember the address and all the things I'm going to tell you. So on your way out, there's a table, just like you came in. There's some flyers there with all the details, where it is, when it is, and uh, where you can sign up online to register. Do you need to register beforehand, David? Okay, so it's helpful probably to register beforehand, but you don't have to if you're um, deciding. Sorry, is this making a little extra noise? Um, yeah, so David's contact will be there if you need it. Um so uh, David's hoping that we might do one of these every eight weeks, is that correct? Yeah, so he's, he's hoping that we can do it um, as a sponsored event for the church and hand out biblical materials and invitations and, uh, to church, gospel tracts, and be a, just a cool opportunity to mix it up with the community and serve people and, um, and connect. So more information on the flyer as you go out. Okay, so there's free food for those who donate. (laughs) All of a sudden, like 90% more people are interested, David. I don't know what. (laughs) Oh, yeah, maybe we can make that now. So so you're not just giving your blood and you're going to be all queasy and, you know, feel weird going home. No, I'm just kidding. I've given blood a number of times, and I feel pretty normal afterwards. So, yeah. All right, I think that's it for announcements um also i mean i might as well plug the bible study there's adult bible study in this classroom um, before church every sunday at 8 45 a.m show up and uh, david leads that and are you still going through chronologically yeah. okay awesome so feel free to jump in there 8:45 uh, a.m before the service all right i think that's it for announcements why don't we uh stand up and continue with a couple more songs How about now? All right. That's my bad. I didn't unmute it the right way. (laughs) All right. Good to see you. Whoa. Okay. Apparently, the guy who preached here last week is (laughs) kind of short. So. Well, good morning. If you don't know me, um, my name is Ryan Bailey, and uh, Jim. Uh, gave me the privilege to step in for him today. So I really appreciate that and good to see you all. Wow, it's, this is crazy. This is um, an almost completely full church. So that's incredible. Why don't we, yeah, let's clap for that. So things are uh, slowly becoming a little bit more normalized. Uh, praise the Lord for that. And uh, let's just keep praying for that, praying for our country and our leaders and for um, things to move forward. And um, yeah, this is good to see everybody, and there's donuts and coffee, which is always a sign of things um, getting better. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so Jim, Jim let me step in to uh, share a message with you guys today. Um, I tend to be, my friends tell me at least, I don't think so, my friends tell me I tend to be a little bit long-winded, um, but I promise you I will keep it um, timely. For you. Uh, A a wise person once said, who was speaking, and I wrote it down because I felt like God was speaking directly to me that said, a message needs to be everlasting. Um, uh, No, a message needs to be eternal, but not everlasting. (laughs) So that's what I'm going for. Um, Yeah, uh, Jim, a word on the street is that he got raptured. And so I'm not sure what all of us are still doing here. That's a problem. But uh, no, I'm kidding. So he's probably watching, and uh, it's always fun to crack a few jokes, but just to lo- loosen the uh, the mood. Um, so real quickly here, what do we got up first? Let's see. Go ahead and put the, the uh, first slide up there, if you will. Perfect. Okay, kids' church. Um, normally, you know, in 2019, we'd have, you know, 15, 20 kids up here, and, and Jim would share an awesome message. And Hand out unhealthy snacks to your kids and um, teach them something from the word, and that's awesome. So, you know, um, hopefully we'll see that uh, sooner than later, but there's probably a lot of kids watching online back home. So, I just had a quick thought for you guys, um, for all you kids back home. Um, So, I put a couple verses up there, and they kind of represent two different areas and where you might be in terms of your relationship with God for you kids. one, you might have a heart that's just full of love for God, and you just um, love learning about Him, and you love talking to Him, and you love praying, and worshiping Him, and singing songs in church, and uh, maybe doing some Bible study at your house with your parents, who knows, um, Sunday schools, and, uh, but maybe you're not quite sure, and that's okay, but um, God... Um, if you If you really already have placed your faith in Jesus and trusted him as your Lord and Savior, praise God and just know that um that uh, Jesus said to his his disciples that you are already clean because of the Word I have spoken to you and He said that in John fifteen and um they they were they were unsure of like were they clean? Were they not? Did Jesus need to wash their feet, or their whole body, or you know, give them a heart transplant? And just know that your belief and faith and trust in Jesus has made you clean from all the little or big mistakes you may have made. And you can trust that, and you can take that to the bank, and you're, you're, um, you can rely on the Savior to to know that you're forgiven. But also, um, if you do trust Jesus already, and you may be five, seven, ten, fifteen, I don't know how old you are, but um. That's incredible. But look, we're, we're still human. I'm still human. I still make mistakes all the time. And I still um, fall into the trap of sin and uh, do things I shouldn't or think things I shouldn't. And God knows that that is going to happen because we're becoming more like Him, but we're, we won't be perfect until we go to be with Him in heaven. So, in the meantime, as we grow in your faith, as you become older and more mature and you walk with Jesus further along in your life, um, know that uh, the, the first thing that he wants you to do when you do make a mistake or you sin is to not hide from him. Like Adam and Eve ran and hid in the garden when they did something they shouldn't have done when they ate the fruit. They ran and hid. And of course you can't run and hide from God. He came by and he knew where they were. And, um, but, but, um, but what he says here in 1 John 1 1.9, he says that um, if we confess our sins, God, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and He will purify us from all unrighteousness. So just remember, you can go back, running back to Jesus and back to the Father, even when you feel ashamed. And He is faithful and just to forgive you. And um, yeah, trust in that and don't, don't hide because He just wants you to come to Him. All right, all right, all right. Moving on. Okay, so my name is Ryan Bailey, and I'm just going to, before I get into the sermon, I'm just going to share for a few minutes a little bit about what we do, because I'm a a missionary here in San Diego. I'm on full-time staff with me and my wife, Hope, in the back uh, with the Navigators, which is, well, at least our branch of the Navigators is the Navy branch. So we're doing military ministry, trying to reach the lost um, people who don't know Jesus in the Navy here in San Diego and to mentor them and disciple them and help them grow in their faith and their walk with the Lord and send them out, equip them and train them to be laborers for the kingdom, to be disciples and disciple makers, and send them back out to their commands, to their helicopter squadrons, to their SEAL teams, um, to their work uh, workplaces, whatever they do in the Navy, we train them, equip them, we love them, we build community together, and we, uh, we send them out as full-time um, Navy-employed missionaries to be a light for Jesus everywhere they go in the Navy, to share their faith with their fellow um, uh, co-workers in the Navy, and to uh, lead people to Christ, to baptize them, to bring them back into our community, to equip them, disciple them, and send more out. It's really simple, but it's really exciting. So um, the mission statement for the Navigators is uh, to advance the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom into the nation's, but how would we do that? Through developing spiritual generations of laborers, right? Jesus said the, the, um, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And that's going to always be, I think, our problem, this side of heaven. The, the harvest will be plentiful. The world is full of people that need Jesus. But the workers and the laborers who are skilled and developed and trained and willing will always be few. So we need to train up more of them. Who will be then living and discipling among the lost? So not just living among the lost, like so they're not separated from the world and just like get saved and run off to um, you know bought like hundred thousand acres in in uh, Iowa and put a fence around it and it was like all right now I got to keep myself away from the world so I'm not around any sin anymore and all that stuff. No no Jesus wants us to go back out into the world, back to our workplace and be a light there and uh, share that love. For, with another person who might share it with another person who might share it with another person, and um, and discipling people, you know, like I I came to Christ at twenty seven and I didn't grow up in the church and I didn't know anything, uh, I didn't know I didn't I couldn't even tell you where Genesis was in the Bible, even though it means beginnings, right? So that's how far I was. And then, uh, but somebody had to disciple me. I needed somebody to help me walk with the Lord, to train me, to teach me the word, to um, show me what to do and not to do, and teach me how to share my faith uh, with other people uh, and things like that. So that's our goal as navigators is to equip and train um, sailors to uh, spread the gospel throughout the Navy. The navigators actually started in the 30s by four sailors um, on a Navy ship in 1933, having a Bible study. And 150 sailors on that ship came to Christ. And then, of course, the Navy moves you. And they moved to the other ships. And then they shared their faith with other people and discipled them. And then it just grew like, um, uh, like a virus, really. Uh, a good one. <laughs> uh, a good, that's probably a bad analogy. <laughs> but it grew something like that. And um, I was going to say, like, a weed. That's a terrible analogy, too. I don't know. Uh, so, But it just spreads. The, the good news spreads when people go and they share it. And, um, and so that was cool. And then World War II happened, and then, boom, it blew up into the Army, and then it went, uh, the Air Force was created, and it blew up into the Air Force and the Marine Corps, and then it went to college campuses, and then Young Life came out of it, and Campus Crusade came out of it. And just, it was awesome. And so God really used um, that, all those things. Like, you're, we're, we're talking huge ministries with, you know, Hundreds of thousands of people impacted over the years. All came from four. Literally, spiritually, in terms of like spiritual parenthood, came from four guys having a Bible study on their ship, praying for their fellow coworkers and sharing their faith. That is wild to me. But God can do that. And um, that's why it's a cool, um, that's why I wanted to be a part of it and why I came on staff, and that's why me and my wife do what we do here in San Diego. So um, there's a picture How do we do it in in general? Like, let me just give you a basic rundown. There's a picture of a ship up there. Um, uh, That's a welcoming back from deployment. So welcome back some friends that, you know, sailors from our community. uh, Welcome back from deployment and uh, come and kind of just, you know, get there, get on base and be the face that they see. But also... Uh, we go on base. Basically, that's just a picture because there's a bunch of people on a ship on base. We go on base, and we talk to people, and we play ultimate frisbee with a bunch of guys on North Island um, every week. And we have people sharing and talking and inviting people from their, uh, their barracks and their dorms and from their birthings on the ships and at the food courts. And we, we just intermingle with people in regular places of life, and uh, we go to where they're at, and we invite them into our lives. Let's go hiking tomorrow. Let's go. Come to Bible study. Come come play Frisbee Friday night. Whatever they will say yes to. So um, next slide. And of course, when we invite people into our lives, we develop the relationship with them. We get to share our testimonies, share the gospel, share Jesus with them, maybe read the Bible with them if they're not a Christian. And people come to faith um, by the grace of God, and then we can baptize them. There's a couple of beach baptisms we've had up on the screen and then when someone comes to Christ or we meet someone on base that already does know Jesus and they want to grow, they want to be discipled, they want to be on mission um, in their workplace, wherever God sends them in the Navy, um, they have a passion and a fire for that, then, hey, then we help them. We help them grow. We mentor and disciple them and we walk with them and we meet with them one-on-one and in small groups and in Bible studies. So um, this is just a cool picture of hope, um, even with the busyness of you know, having kids and babies and newborns. Um, this is a, uh, <clears throat> a friend of ours, a Navy SEAL uh, wife, and uh, I meet with her husband, and, and she was meeting with, while well, Hope was meeting with her, and so, you know, they sit down in the front yard and they talk about life and talk about faith and uh, nurse the babies and let the other ones run around and be crazy. So it's, uh, it's fun and it's messy and it's complicated, and it's all, all great and it's all the things above, so we just go for it. Next slide. Let's see. I have a little video on this next slide that'll kind of just give you a 50-second uh, view of different, you know, devotionals and teachings and conferences and fun activities. Just things that we do with people throughout our time in the ministry. So, go ahead and check that out real quick. <laughs> I told you it would be short. Um, Just a snapshot. I thought it'd be fun for you to see some of the things we do and teachings and activities and, you know, all that stuff. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. Um, We really don't meet as much as we used to on base just because there's a lot of base rules with COVID and everything, and that's okay. We're flexible. Um, God still works off base as well. So uh, in fact, this church that I've been a part of for almost eight years now um, was... um, a big enough blessing to allow us to use this space in this building on Tuesday nights for our main uh, discipleship Bible study where we just you know, come one, come all, invite everybody we know and all the sailors in to um, learn about Jesus, following him, making disciples, growing in their faith. So um, that's kind of what we do. And, and then this is us. This is me and my wife and our kids. That's Ellie. She's two and a half. And that's William. He's six months now. Um, we got to go to a wedding in Oregon, so that's Mount Hood. Um, that's our San Diego NAVS logo. But I just wanted to open an, an extended invitation to you for two from two ways. One, um, we've done a lot of rethinking, and we, we've been primarily only focused on uh, active duty or just Navy um, people. And that's fine. That's primarily what our focus is. That's our mission field as Navy navigators. But um, discipleship is not a concept owned by um, our organization. It's not owned by the Navigators. Discipleship is a Jesus concept, and it's for the whole church. It's for everyone. So if you're interested, I really don't um, mind, and you are invited, if you're interested in learning more about walking with Christ and um, what discipleship is, what it means to, and what it looks like to make disciples, learn more about sharing your faith, spiritual disciplines, all the above, um, you are always welcome to join us on Tuesday night at 6 p.m. in here. And hey, if you're like, you know what, I would love to look for a younger guy or younger gal to mentor a disciple, a great place to find them and fish for them um, is our Tuesday night gathering. So there's tons of 22 year olds, 23, 24, 19, uh, 30, you know, all fairly young people um, that if you're looking for somebody to mentor and disciple, Come on by and come meet some of the people, and maybe you'll, um, God will connect you with somebody and strike up a relationship. So, so that's what I want to invite you to do that. If you want to come, um, feel free. We're here Tuesdays, and we, we won't turn you away just because you're not active duty. I wasn't active duty when I came to the Navy Navigators Bible Study, and now I'm on staff, so um, it's okay. So we also want to invite you to, um, if you want to be a part of what we're doing here and be part of the gospel movement among the sailors, um, we are still always looking for uh, financial partners, ministry partners that can help move this football down the field and advance the gospel into these bases and on, into these commands and onto these ships and into these squadrons and onto these SEAL teams. So if you want to be a part of that, Tuesday nights is a great place, tangibly, and financial support. We, we, uh, we partner with a lot of people um, who are our monthly donors that keep us going, keep us fueled and doing this and um, help pay for you know, some of the Bible study materials and retreats and conferences and outreaches and, uh, and just for Hope and I to be able to do this here in San Diego, which is a crazy expensive place to live and try to do ministry. So <laughs> um, but, uh, so we invite you to become a monthly partner with us. Um, just on a very short side note, financially, our ministry took a huge hit Just in the last few months because of COVID, we were good all the way through March, April, May, summer, and we're like, wow, this is crazy. Like The whole economy shut down, the world shut down, and somehow our ministry was almost almost completely financially unaffected. But the trickle-down effects um, have started to kick in, which we kind of knew were coming. So we're in um, fundraising mode right now so that we can get back up into the, into, the, into the black out of the red, essentially. So we're a couple thousand a month short of monthly donors just to be level with uh, what's coming into the ministry and what's going out every month. So pray about that. If God so leads you to, to come on and partner with us, support us monthly, hey, awesome. Um, we, would love to, we would love to talk with you about it. If you want more information, you're like, ah, I just, I just need to know more, just uh, let us know. But if you do feel led, you can go to navigators.org and you can just search in the little search bar at the top, Ryan Bailey, and then a picture of us will come up. I think it'll show you. That'll show up right there, and you can do it online. It does it automatically every month. It's super, super easy. So, um, but that's all I have to say about that. Thank you for listening to what we have to say about our ministry. Thank you for supporting us. If you already do, the church as a whole already supports us financially, so thank you all for that. Um, Such a blessing to be a part of such a um, a missionally-minded community. So, yeah. All right, moving on to the sermon now, <laughs> which uh, won't be super long. Don't let the title scare you. I know Jim usually has three or four points, and I have eight. So these are actually going to be short points, though. But what I want to talk about today was us and our, just our personal spiritual growth, growing in spiritually maturing um, in our walk with the Lord, um, becoming more mature in Christ as, as we live out our life of faith. So, they've actually done a lot of research on this, and you can't exactly quantify perfectly, um, these kind of things, but, uh, they have discovered that there are eight pretty consistent reoccurring markers that are present in the lives of believers who are progressing in spiritual maturity and are impacting others for Christ. And, uh, uh, I just thought it was a, a total shocker that research um, proves the Bible. Wow, like the Bible actually is true, and it's, it means what it says. So um, obviously, we know that science and research are going uh, to affirm what the Bible says, but it was just really cool that they found these to be extremely important and consistent. So there's two ways that this, these eight things that we're going to go through are going to be helpful for you. Um, first, to assess and diagnose your own spiritual maturity. Think of it like a self-spiritual diagnostic and you can look at it and you can look at your weak spots and your strong spots and find out ways to uh, to really shore up and bolster and uh, just in advance and improve and grow. Um, second, it's also really helpful to when you're trying to mentor or meet with somebody or disciple somebody um, to assess where they're at spiritually so you know where they need help and what you want to work with them on next as you're investing in them. So obviously... Uh, star note at the bottom, not to judge others. It's really easy to get critical just as a, for me, just as a person, as a human, I think it's a human tendency to look at where other people are at and just compare and contrast yourself. It's not for that. It's done with the intention of um, helping to see where somebody is at spiritually so that you can love them enough to encourage them and help them um, advance and grow and move forward. So, number one, Bible engagement. No surprise here. But uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for, um, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the, not just man, but the person, man or woman of God, will be complete and equipped and ready for every good work. So um, oh, let me pull up here really quick. So transformation, I'm going to talk about transformation in each of these areas, because that's what goal is, to be transformed, to be more like Jesus, and in these areas specifically. So transformation, not just knowledge about this area, transformation in this area will be recognized when our mind is sharpened by the Bible, our perspective is shaped by the Bible, and our actions are directed by the Bible. So our overall lifestyle changes and becomes more like Jesus in character and in action. I think sometimes we can, um, I think sometimes we can overemphasize or, uh, yeah, just overemphasize, like not looking at a good thing, but overemphasize a good thing and forget something else. Um, the one side of the coin of be, being like Jesus is, is all character. It's all um, how, you, how you think or how you treat people and you're, we're nice and we're good people and all things. but I think um, uh, becoming more like Jesus is also... Um, what we should be shooting for as a goal is a lifestyle change, a transformation that we live like Jesus, not just um, become a better person inside, but Jesus was out and about mixing it up in the world with sinners um, proclaiming the good news of what will set them free. And he was discipling some, some people at the same time. So I think that is also part of it. So Bible engagement, um, just a thought to stir, stir, uh, stir up your mind. Do you have a systematic, I know that sounds very academic, but do you have a systematic approach to spending time with God every day, or studying the scriptures, or having a daily quiet time, whatever that is? So it's a rhetorical question just to think about, or is it just kind of, you just kind of hope it happens based on how your alarm goes off, or how you feel in the morning, or how busy the day goes? So... Um, I think one will yield more fruit than the other. And trust me, I'm not a hyper-disciplined person by nature, so that one is a struggle for me. Um, So yeah, number two. Okay, number two, obeying God and denying self. This is the second thing they found was was hugely impactful for people who are spiritually maturing in their faith um, and not staying stagnant. Discipleship, uh, let's see, the verse here is uh, Luke nine twenty three. If anyone wants to come with me or come after me, he must first deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Um, denial of self and obedience to Jesus is extremely important in, um, in uh, growing and maturing. Discipleship or devotion, a really interesting way, sometimes we think about discipleship as um, discipling other people. And you could use the term like that, but I think a little bit, a friend of mine has a better definition. He says discipleship is our personal devotion to Jesus. How we live a life, all aspects, how we live a life of devotion to Jesus. Disciple making is how you pass that on to somebody else. So that's just kind of a cool way to kind of separate the two and look at them. But So if discipleship or devotion to Jesus is the process of obedience to the one who is in authority over us, Transformation in this area can be seen when we progressively, continually set aside earthly delights um, for kingdom priorities. And what I mean by earthly delights, I don't mean necessarily always sin. Yes, let us lay aside every weight and sin that has hindered us, of course. But kingdom priorities um, can get overshadowed by normal stuff in life good stuff work, family, fun, play, leisure, you know, success, money, relationships. All those things are good in their proper place, but their place is always after pursuing, uh, under pursuing the kingdom. Or maybe a better way to say it is intertwined with pursuing the kingdom. Um, Okay, next one. Serving God and others. Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus makes a big deal about serving other people. Um, I mean, the Son of Man literally came not to be served, but to serve people, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is so hard. (laughs) That's so hard for me, and I'm sure like you guys can identify. It's hard to orient your life around doing things for other people, and prioritizing your time to serve other people. In, In and there's a million ways you can do it. I'm just saying in any way. It's just very hard because we live inside our own head and our own thoughts and our own personality profile. And mostly, I'm thinking about me and what I need to do and what I'm hungry for and where I want to go tomorrow and all these things. And that's okay, that's human nature. But I think as we spend more time with the Lord, um, he can reveal those things as, as what he wants. So transformation is really evident when uh, personal needs and preferences and even dreams sometimes are set aside, or at least put in their proper place for the needs that we see in others—physical needs as well as spiritual needs—sometimes people just need some something physical. They need your friendship, they need love, they need companionship and a hug, um, a, a kind word, prayer, um, a place to live, a car, clothes, you know, financial support. Who knows? People need all kinds of things. Um, spiritual needs. People need help um, getting in the Bible. Like they just don't, someone might just not know how and they're, having, they're struggling with their discipline. Uh, like someone helped me. And um, yeah, there's a million different needs. They just want to be discipled. They want someone to literally a little bit further along in their faith, maybe a slightly older than them. Um, one step up on, on the, the growth ladder to just kind of help them up each step as they go. So... Think about that. All right, next, number four, sharing Christ. Um, Also, we talk about it as evangelism, as witnessing. Um, This is probably, hmm, this is one of, I'd say this is probably one of the hardest, if not the hardest one that I found in my experience just with, uh, as a Christian for the last eight years, for myself and just everyone that I know that I'm close with that are friends that have shared their uh, struggles as believers, sharing Sharing their faith. Some people are more gifted in evangelism than others. Some people, you know, will share the gospel with every rock and tree and person that they walk past on a daily basis. That's great. Um, but uh, don't be discouraged. If you aren't um, hyper-gifted in evangelism, you don't have to be Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham was Billy Graham. You don't have to be—don't get down on yourself because you're not as good at that or as consistent as that as, as your, or your, your friend Uh, Bible study, or your church, or your small group, or or someone else in your family, Um, maybe your spouse, don't give up on yourself and don't get down on yourself, Um, but instead, ask the Lord to help you move into it, step into it, and find creative ways that um, you can do it. Uh, Jesus set the example here in Matthew chapter 4, early on in the Gospels, and all of them you can see Jesus started his ministry, and what did he do? He went out and he began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, and that's what he did. He continually did that. Um, he went out and proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, Mark sixteen fifteen, Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And, um, and that's a command from our Lord. So... Um, Yeah, finding ways to do it and asking God to give you strength and courage. And even getting some, here's another thing too. We don't have to over-spiritualize either. Sometimes just getting some practical training and some tools and help from somebody else who knows how to do it. Maybe if you know somebody who is really great at sharing the gospel um, with their friends, their family, even just strangers on the street, who knows? If you know somebody very evangelistic and you want to get better at that, just ask that person to give you some tips of the trade. Go out with them and just watch them. Don't even have any high expectations for yourself. Go and watch. Just go and rub shoulders with the people they do and um, uh, just have, ask them to train you. Um, I would say that evangelism for me, even though I'm very extroverted and I like talking to people and I like sharing my faith, um, it's still a challenge. But my efforts in evangelism and sharing Christ really skyrocketed when I acquired Um, a few tools that helped bolster my confidence. And what I mean by that is um, one, I'd say one of the best tools just to get that conversation going is your testimony. If your faith is in Christ and he has forgiven you and redeemed you and transformed you, then that is something that you can simply and hopefully um, excitedly share about with somebody else. Your testimony. What has God done for you? How did he redeem you? Awesome. But uh, there's some really, the navigators are famous for um, tools like little illustrations that you can draw on a piece of paper, a back of a napkin when you're sitting down with somebody at coffee uh, or whatever, or draw on a whiteboard at a Bible study. Or um, I've used the back of the napkin, you know, at, uh, for instance, we're, we go out on, uh, um, on base and play Ultimate Frisbee every single week. I won't say when and where Uh, because I don't know who's watching, (laughs) but, uh, and uh, there's about 25 Navy guys and gals that are not believers that are coming to that, and we have a good time with them, and our goal is to always get to know a couple of them by the end, and get somebody's number, and, you know, invite them to do something fun with us. We're doing that weekend, and then get to know them over a week or two, and then, uh, um, and then we were able to take, invite a couple of them who are leaving, PCSing out to overseas and going on deployments, like, hey, let's go out. You guys are leaving soon. Let's go out and get some, some burgers. And we went to CBC, and we had some burgers, and uh, and just caught up with these guys and got to know them and their background and, and had a good time, had some laughs. And then we just steered the conversation towards spiritual things, like, what did you guys grow up believing? Did you guys, like, grow up in religious homes or go to church or whatever? And you just kind of probe there, and they share a little bit, and then you can share what... What's, what uh, God has done in your life, and so I pulled the napkin out and drew an illustration called The Three Circles, which is simple, and it takes like maybe three minutes to explain the gospel, and you get a visual. So anyway, just an example of how if you can acquire a, one or two or three tools to share the gospel, you will, you will use them, and you'll share them much, much more. So hopefully that's an encouragement to you. Um, Romans one sixteen, you guys probably all know that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, and God's intention for the expanding explosion, ever expanding explosion of the gospel, growing throughout the world. Um, Acts one eight, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Right, all of us. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, so basically, Judea, Samaria, or sorry, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, it's, it's an ever-expanding circle. So uh, you don't need to go overseas to be a missionary. You don't need to go to another city or overseas or another state or another country to somehow be a part of the gospel going there. You don't know where life is going to take the people that are in your life right now. If we were all just our witness, if we were witnesses right here in our Jerusalem, San Diego's our Jerusalem, right? Coronado, IB, wherever your little town, even shrink it smaller. If that's our Jerusalem and we're witnesses for Christ in our local communities and we're reaching people for Christ and we're discipling one at a time or a couple at a time, whatever you have capacity for, and we're sending them out, life will take them all over the world and some will be called to the mission field in Papua New Guinea, or whatever, so um, yeah, just wanted to encourage us with that that you are not less <laughs> needed or less important in this incredible, crazy mission that God is on and wants us to be a part of with Him, just because you're not going overseas right now. If God calls you to do that, amen. But right now, it seems like right where we're all sitting, it seems like God has called us right here to San Diego. <laughs> Wherever you are is where God wants you right now, unless he's calling you somewhere else. So let's be witnesses here. Let this be our Jerusalem, and let it go to the ends of the earth from here. Um, So even with the need to live out the effects of the gospel, live out the gospel, some people say, um, I would say maturing believers know that speaking about the message, actually sharing the gospel, not just being an example of of a Christian uh, to people around us, is also a command and a necessity for every believer And transformation is evident in this area when we talk about the source of the hope in us with others. So, let's share. All right, number five, exercising our faith. This one's a a really big one. It's kind of nuanced. It's sort of sometimes harder to uh, quantify or or think of an example because it's really infinite examples. But um, Galatians 2.20 really says it well. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith. Practicality is good too, but we need to live by faith too. Um, The paralytic and his four friends are such a great example of this. These guys were going to do anything right? Remember the paralytic and his four friends, and he was on a mat, and they carried him up, and there was a crowd around Jesus. You couldn't even get to the front door. The house was filled. The yard was filled, everything, and so they had to push their way through the crowd carrying a guy and get up on the roof, and they literally dismantled somebody's roof. They ripped off the ceiling tiles and the roof tiles and made a hole in the roof of this guy's house. I don't think it was theirs, Um, and lowered their friend down right in front of Jesus. They were going to do anything, anything in their power by faith to bring their friend to Jesus for what he needed. And he went and walked away from his paralysis. And he went um, because Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith in action. It says in there when you read it, Jesus seeing their faith. Man, He saw what they did. He was like, that is faith. I'm going to reward that. Um, so, transformation in this area is seen in believers when risk aversion, I had in here, I had written down set aside, but I don't, it's probably not wise to say risk aversion is set aside. You don't want to set aside all your risk aversion. There's, there's wisdom in risk aversion, okay? I'm not very risk averse, so I don't want to like project that on you guys um, and be, I don't want to project my recklessness on anybody else. But when risk aversion, I think risk aversion can be clouded and Used as a cop out, as practical and it's wise and all these things, but there's a lot of things that are practical and maybe wise to us in terms of common sense or to the world or to people that respect. That's that's not really, um, that's that's suppressing living acting acting in faith. It really can. So risk aversion is now not set aside, but overcome and put in its proper place by the power of our faith in God his promises, as well as what he is prompting you to do. Listening to that still small voice inside of you, in your heart, and your head, wherever you feel like it comes from. I know that's weird, but I really believe God speaks to us um, in, in different ways, and prompting you, making you feel like you need to go do something. I need to go talk to someone. I need to call. I need to, I'm, you know, I'm in line to get a burrito, and God is just Laying heavily on my heart, I need to share the gospel with this person, random person standing next to me. Those kind of things happen when you're doing all the things above, and you're praying and abiding in Christ, and um, stepping out and obeying. That is what I think it looks like to exercise faith. And trust me, I've said no plenty of times. God's like, you need to go. You know, I shouldn't say it like that. Um, God's prompting me in my heart to to speak to somebody that's at a restaurant randomly, and I'm like no thanks, <laughs> that's kind of scary, I don't know who they are, and um, so I get it, I say no all the time too, but I, I want to, I just want to get, I want to mature in that area, I want to grow in that area, and I want all of us too as well to listen, and to say yes more often, and uh, just watch God work through that. So exercising faith, um, so this is different than saving faith, um, This is different than professing faith or saving faith. Exercise. You can be saved. You can be a Christian, redeemed, um, forgiven, righteous, clothed by Jesus, going to heaven, um, and not be exercising faith um, in a way that uh, exercising faith is a choice to listen. You can choose to say no all day long, even, even if you know the Lord. So exercising faith is a choice to listen and then to submit and then to obey the directives of our gracious God, our lives can become more and more characterized by faithful obedience of God's will, not just faithful relationship with God. Um, I think our relationship even grows and flourishes as we step out in the obedience area. All right, number six, we're almost done here. Seeking God. Matthew 6:33 is one of my favorite verses because I feel like it's like it's like lens. It's like a lens. You put on Matthew 6:33 um, as like a lens that has a filter over it, um, just like your iPhone has a filter for different pictures you take or whatever it is. Think of Matthew 6:33 as a lens by which you see the world every single day, every situation you're put in, and um, the lens by which you filter and make decisions and how you choose to prioritize and go about your life seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things these other things will be provided for you i think for me maybe you i don't know but for me it's so easy to think more uh and put put first all these things that will be provided to you first the just the the regular wants and needs and worries of life and uh that's a challenge But uh, I believe God is faithful in that. Uh, John 15, if you just read through chapter 15 of John, I think that's like the best chapter in the whole Bible on um, seeking God first and seeking his kingdom first and abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus because he is the true vine where all of life flows from, and we are the branches that need that flow, and we need to be connected as branches to the vine um, so this transformation is seen in this area when our desire is to know God more deeply and experience um, his work more fully, abiding in Christ and in his word and, and in time of prayer. This John 15 abiding, communing and spending time with the one who loves us and wants to give us abundant life, right? John 10, 10 you guys probably all know that verse. Um, Jesus came so that we might have life and life abundantly or life to the full. And you could go and do a, a long study on that. I think that's one of the coolest verses to do a study on. But I really believe that like, the abundant life that Jesus talks about is not prosperity. Um, prosperity is fine. There's nothing, there's nothing um, innately bad about prosperity. But life and life to the full is not, is not I think from a biblical perspective, is not success and money and things and vacations and travel and leisure and you know time with you know fun stuff with your your buddies whatever that's all great and we should enjoy it and worship god in what and when we enjoy the things that he's given us but life and life to the full when you see jesus's life and the disciples life and paul's life and they read the book of acts and the birth of the early church Life to the full, I believe, is a life lived in absolute devotion and surrender to Christ and being on mission for him, trying to reach lost people who are going to hell with the good news that Jesus can save them and making disciples and living in community with other believers. I believe that is where life and life to the full comes into full effect and reality. And so for that, I would say that would look like more practically prioritizing Everything in your life after Jesus and around the people, around the people, prioritizing your life around the people and around the events that will help you grow the most in your walk with the Lord and it will help you live on mission and you can live on mission with. So prioritizing your life around Jesus, his kingdom, his mission, and other people who are specifically devoted to that as well as you are. And living on mission, living on mission for Christ with a, with a handful of other people, or a couple of handfuls of other people that are, really want to get after it with you, um, I think that is true fellowship and true community, and it's incredible. Um, you're battle buddies, and not just acquaintances. You're really battle buddies. Who are you battle buddies with? Who are you living on mission for Jesus with? Who are you praying with? Who are you Strategizing with about how you can reach your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, um, and uh, who you're going out with to do that. The kingdom of God is always built by men and women by the power of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, with God's divine um, sovereignty and providence, but but in conjunction with our efforts, the kingdom of God is built by men and women who are used by God who are devoted to King Jesus and committed to one another. Which leads to number seven, building relationships and teaming together. So sometimes building relationships, if I add a team to that, because you can just be like, oh, I have relationships. Everyone's got relationships. That's cool. But relationships that result, I think, in teaming for the gospel are the most um, rewarding and thriving and fruitful um, and vibrant relationships we can have. Acts chapter 2 um, yearly church really is a great picture of this. Acts two forty two, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Um, so all I have to say about this is go deep with the right group of people. You just can't go deep with everybody, even the amount of people in this room. This is a small church, like, compared to, you know, a big church with 500 people or 1,000 people or more. Like, This is a pretty manageable-sized church in terms of having relationships with most people here, which is great. We have, that's a blessing. But there's just literally no way, practically, um, at at least how I can see in my schedule, that I could have deep relationships with every single one of you. And that's okay. That's okay. We're limited by time and capacity. Jesus himself, okay, was limited by time and capacity with the influence that he could have. Think about it. Why didn't he have, he's the God of the universe. He could heal people and walk on water. Why didn't he have 50 inner disciples? Why didn't he have 100 inner disciples? Why didn't he have 20? He didn't have 15. He had people that followed him around and were disciples in terms of they were students and learning from him. But a lot of them just, a lot of them left by John chapter 6. They were gone. Um, So what I mean by that is build relationships around um, and go deep with some people, a somewhat more manageable size of a group of people from within this church, from within the other connections and communities that you have of believers around the area. Go deep with them and devote yourself to the mission of Jesus with them and devote yourself to each other, to love each other and to have fellowship with one another just like they did, the apostles did in Acts chapter 2. So be on mission with some, with some other people. Could just be one other person. Could be a best friend. I don't know. All right. Number eight, last one. Make disciples. Now, to bring that down, it's a super daunting sounding two words, I think, as always has been for me. Make disciples. There's so much that goes into the thought of like, what does that entail? I just said disciple someone. You don't need to have 12 disciples like Jesus did. 12 core, key, uh, full-time disciples. Um, You can just have one. Yeah, whatever your capacity is. Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore, and I highlighted the key things in here, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Go, make disciples, baptize people, teach them to obey me, teach them to walk with Jesus. Transformation in this area is typically one of the last signs of maturity in a follower of Jesus. Um, Progressing from a new Christian to a disciple, um, meaning a student or a learner, to a laborer, meaning a worker uh, for the kingdom, to a disciple-maker, is often a slow process. Uh, Jesus took Jesus three years, right? Just to take, and he spent basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week with, with his 12. And it took him three years to get them ready for him to go, that they could go and make more disciples after that. Um, but if the process is taken seriously, and we are willing to tackle it with God's spirit, um, it will result in the most fulfilled life, that John 10.10 life that Jesus offers on this side of heaven. That is my conviction. It took Jesus three years with his disciples to turn them into generational disciple-makers, men who are going to disciple others, who are going to teach them how to continue and disciple others who will disciple others, and on and on and on. and It will be this family tree that grows and grows and grows. Um, meaning, um, he would make disciples who turn around and made more, and the ones that they made will also turn around and make more. Like The, the discipleship chain doesn't stop um, with any of the generations. It's basically the... the, the uh, The clash between addition and multiplication. Jesus was making disciples with a strategy in mind for multiplication, not addition. Um, It's compound interest versus addition. And so, he intended every follower to be equipped to disciple someone else. We can be a link in an unbroken chain of generations of Jesus followers who expand and grow the kingdom of God. So, question—rhetorical question for you here: Who would you say that you are discipling right now? And I don't say that as judgment, I don't—I don't want you to—I don't want you to beat yourself up or or feel terrible. Just to think about it. Can you come up with a name right now in your head of someone you would say you are discipling right now? If you're not sure, that's okay. I offer you a challenge, though. Spend some time praying, asking God to show you who you might start spending some time with, building a relationship with, and encouraging them in their faith and teaching them how to follow Jesus and, and eventually walk alongside somebody else. Write their name or names down Pray for them and step out in faith and trust that God's gonna do the heavy lifting. Application. This should be the last slide. All right, hallelujah, we made it. Application. As a navigator, we're super practical. We're all about application. If you just, if I just teach you, and you know, I teach the sailor something, and it's like, wow, that's great information. Oh, I learned a lot about the resurrection today. That's cool. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? How are we going to be changed and transformed? All right? So application for this week for you, these are our next steps. And everyone's going to have next steps. All right? So think about your next steps. First, pray about each one of these eight marks of maturity this week. um, And listen to God. And it can go beyond this week as well. But just pray about it. Pray every day about it. And then, as God brings people to mind, brings things to mind, um, starts prompting you and speaking to you in different ways, write down, try to write down at least one, one specific idea for each of these eight areas, just one one thing that God speaks to you in each of those areas that you can start doing that will ignite further growth in that area, whether it's witnessing or discipling or um, getting time in the Word, studying your Bible, whatever it may be. Write down something specific that you can actually like um, measure. So, for instance, if, it's, if you're like, if you're talking about the uh, the first one, getting 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 into the word, getting engaged with the Bible, don't write something down like, "Read my Bible more." That's not specific enough. All right, think of something specific. I'm going to do this on this day at this time. I'm going to go. I'm going to go call this person and see if I can get coffee with them or go get a burrito with them. Very specific things. And share that, share these things when you come up with some of them, either all eight or just a few, whatever. Share those with somebody else that you're close with, a friend or a brother or sister in Christ or a spouse. Share with them so they can be praying for God to use you in those areas and to grow, the, grow you in those areas, and they can also help keep you accountable. So somebody else knows, I'm really trying to grow in this area. Can you pray for me? Check in with me. Say, how's it going? You said you you're going to invite that one dude from work over to dinner. Have you done that yet? Oh no, I haven't. Shoot. Okay. So, accountability is huge, right? So, that's all I have for you. I hope I um, hope it's been interesting or helpful in some way, and it's been a blessing. It's eleven ten. Let me pray, and uh, and wrap up. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being so patient. Being so patient with us. Um, (laughs) growth is a growth is a lifelong process help guard against the enemy as he would try to sneak in as we think about these things and we pray about these things Lord and, and we go and bring them before you and ask what you might have us do that he would probably want us to feel shame and guilt help us to feel Rather encouraged, Lord, and motivated, and excited, just like you, we are when we when we come across a new um, hobby or interest that just is is uh, we just all we want to do is go down the rabbit hole and learn everything we we can about that thing um, and do it all the time. Um, so I pray for motivation. I pray for courage for all of us, Lord, to move forward, to advance, and to grow and to put things in place in our life that would be transformational, that would take us to the next step, to advance, to level up, if you will. To level up in our faith and our walk with you, Lord. I pray that you use the Holy Spirit to convict us where we need to change, to motivate us and to prompt us to step out in faith. To step out in faith, God. And do what you're asking us to do. And that we would share these things with others and we'd be accountable to people. And that we would, we would prioritize your mission. Prioritize our, our spiritual growth over all the other things in our life that we, we prioritize and we give our time to. Endless hours, week in and week out, to things that are not contributing or improving our spiritual maturity. Help us to put things in their proper place, because we all get distracted, we all get off track. And God, you are gracious, and you forgive us and you bring us back. And Lord, I give you praise. I just pray, Lord, for, um, for Brian. We've been praying for you as a church. And God, you are so powerful and so good and you are with us in our life and in our trials and our circumstances, God, and you would continue to be with him. That your mighty, powerful hand of providence and healing and contentment and joy, regardless of our circumstances, would be so heavy and overpowering that it would well up inside all of us and in Brian and in anyone else facing a challenge or a trial, in this season of life, Lord, that your spirit would move in this building, in this body of believers, in our families, in our marriages, in our lives, and our workplaces, in our gatherings on Sunday mornings, in our Bible studies in the middle of the week, on our vacations, just in the in all the little nuances of life, Lord, when we go to the store to get groceries, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking to us, we'd be listening, we'd be obeying, and that you would empower us to be a people that are going and we are reaching our Jerusalem, our neighbors, our co-workers, our city. Remind us of the vision and the power and maybe even the The fire that we maybe once had for you, Jesus, when we first got saved, take us back to that time to where we could think and dwell on nothing else but what you have done for us. Let that be the foundation and the motivation that we use to go and proclaim the good news and make disciples. I pray, Lord Jesus, in your precious name, that you would get the glory. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for being here, and may you go out and make a disciple this week. See you next week.